Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team Pokemon Trading Card Games Premier Podcasting Duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my very blurry friend, Mr. W. Crewall. W, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm struggling and racking my brain as to why I'm so blurry. It's so, so very blurry. Yeah. <laughs> so very. I feel like it's getting progressively worse. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe we like have to I'm switch just... like the platform in which we call each other. It's yeah, so maybe. Or, just... or maybe we have to. Maybe we have to update the link. Is what I was thinking, but that doesn't make any sense. But it does. It's like, but maybe. The, you know, things the link make over sense time. Before. It um... loses connection over time. I don't know, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm down for whatever. It's just it's okay. so weird. Just um, no Skype. Oh, I, that's not a tough sell. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing pretty well, Riley. How are you? I'm feeling good. I'm honestly, I'm really tired today. I haven't slept very well in the last few days, but that's that's on me. That's on me. Um, you know, I've been really into this book that I've been reading, so I've been kind of reading it. And the problem isn't necessarily that I read it really late that my brain is still churning you know after the reading um, sure that makes it hard to fall asleep later so, sure you know what i'm talking about i i hear you yeah because you're thinking like hey how is how is gormandar about to make it out of this oh, so you've read the book too yeah <laughs> i know i've been thinking about it too bro <laughs> what's been going on in your world uh well i have a massive toothache that's not good that is consuming my thoughts my every thought this happens about once every one or two years where like i just like i think it's like a bruised gum or something because it's it always heals like it's just i had to wait for it to pass so i have this like very intense like driving pain for a little bit and then it goes away and then like we're fine for another year or two i don't know it's some kind of weird did you ever watch that halloween movie where the goblin gargoyle thing comes out of the cornfield every 107 years or something and then he preys upon the town people do you know what i'm talking about i think so but i don't remember what the movie's called yeah and he's like big and he's got like wings and things and it's like it's like oh i'm trying to anyway you guys can let us know viewers can let us know about what uh what that movie is but anyway that's what it feels like it's this recurring nightmare it keeps coming back. That's super every weird. Every one to two years. It is really weird. It is really weird. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll just get that tooth taken out, and maybe I'll never have pain there again. I mean, it, has your dentist, like, said anything on, like, an x-ray? Nothing's come up? Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a tooth that uh, has had work done in the past, like cavity filling and things. So, mm. I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with that. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. Got a lot of, like, fillings and stuff. I know. We didn't take good care of our teeth when we were little. <laughs> I really didn't. Um, I was always eating ice cream and not brushing my teeth. I know. It's tragic. I, I think my parents did a really good job of teaching me good oral hygiene. My mom especially flosses like almost after every meal. I think she would floss oh in the morning gosh. and in the in the evenings. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, So I definitely didn't learn these bad habits from her. <laughs> Brady says he thinks it's one of the Charlie Brown Halloween movies. That can't be right. <laughs> I think be. there's like another like live action movie that has a similar yes, concept. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. But maybe it's Charlie Brown. I don't know. It is not. No, the it's great live pumpkin. Action, you sure. think of the great pumpkin? 
Now I'm going to look it up. Okay. You have me so convinced that I need to look up what this is. Halloween gargoyle in on bus, maybe? <laughs> I remember there's a bus scene. Halloween bus. Okay. Anyway, we can continue on. I'm going to look this up. And then when I find it halfway through the pod, I will let you know. And everyone will go. That's what he's talking about. Rudy also says that he would never floss. So message to all of our listeners, please floss at least once a day. It's good for your teeth and brush them. If not after every meal, at least twice a day. Mm. Otherwise mm-hmm. you get lots of cavities like young JW and Riley. That's right. <laughs> we can pass on any wisdom to you in this. It's good oral hygiene. Is temporary yes. relative to your teeth. <laughs> That's true. True. So true. <laughs> so anyway, um, there has been a lot going on with Pokemon lately, though. Uh, actually, a decent amount of stuff happening. Um, ah. So um, we will talk about stream sniping in the second half of the cast, uh, but we want to start off kind of focusing in on some of the recent results and how the meta is shaking up with the addition of battle styles. Um, so got a couple things that we can take a look at here. Obviously the full grip online series was yesterday. If you missed that, be sure to join the discord so you can join some of the future ones. Um, I got it. What's that? It's Jeepers Creepers. Jeepers Creepers. Of course. Yes. Jeepers <laughs> Creepers. Okay. I just had to say it. All right, we're good. Let's move <laughs> Thank on. You. We've Thank closed you. that door. Great. So while you're watching Jeepers Creepers, though, what better way to pair with that than playing the Pokemon tournament? So uh, be sure to check out the Full Grip Online Series Discord, uh, where you can get all the updates about joining that tournament. I'll put the link in the description for this episode. Um, Yeah, absolutely. What I like about the tournament, and we've talked about this before, is just that it's very succinctly run. So if you're looking for a tournament that doesn't take, you know, nine, ten hours, uh, this is the one for you. We had a lot of really interesting decks from last night riley what was your favorite deck that you saw on the stream um honestly i was i liked a lot of the decks i saw on stream there's a lot of really cool ones um i think my favorite one that ended up performing well was andrew wamble had just an incredibly smooth list of single striker shifu you know i've said it for a couple weeks now i think single striker shifu is kind of underrated and over and really fun as well it's just like one of those decks that's really satisfying to play um and andrew was consistently getting set up he was in the games that he appeared on stream i don't think he was streaming himself but like he appeared in a couple of opponents games uh his deck was just running so good it was awesome yeah yeah absolutely and i actually had an exchange with uh, stefan ivanov on twitter just talking about his list and kind of where i was at with the list and um andrew opted to go you know more uh with stefan's list which is great i i think again it was a very strong list i was really curious about the evolution incense i felt like those cards in that list could have maybe been great balls like you're really trying to get out those hound hours i was finding that was a big issue with the deck if i wasn't finding a couple hound hour on the first turn then it was going to make it really hard in the later turns to get attack set up but anyway andrew had this list really really like you said straightforward consistent with you know max counts of all the important cards, you know, the research, the Marnies, the Urn of Vitality, all maxed out there and um, did really well. Like you said, took it to a top eight finish. Yeah. And 
I I do want to point out like that evolution incense is definitely a little bit odd compared to like what I've been trying out. You know, I've been focusing more on like the comms and the quick balls, maxing those out. Um, I hate Pokecom, honestly. It's such a frustrating card. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, one thing I, I do think was particularly interesting, um, and I'm curious to see like if this evolves or changes, um, is Andrew's list was uh, relatively light on the Tower of Darkness. That's something I really enjoyed like having in pretty high counts, like up to four yeah. sometimes. Um, yeah. And, you know, worst case, you Tower of Darkness, your Tower of Darkness, <laughs> and, like, and draw some sure. cards. Um, so I'm curious, like, if I'm overrating that card or maybe um, or maybe it finds its place in higher counts in the future when, like, perhaps, uh, what is it called? Chaotic Swall rotates. They yeah. just get a little more time to shine. Um, yeah, no, I think I think that's certainly true. If you're playing Tower of Darkness into a lot of Chaotic Swell, which that seems to be just kind of the de facto stadium of choice, then you probably aren't in for a good time. But um, yeah, that lower count of Tower of Darkness, I think, should be the norm in the future. I've kind of had mixed results with it, and I think it's just not a card that you're guaranteed to get an effect from with so many Chaotic Swells out there. So yeah, I'm generally going to stay. I think the swell is really the limiting factor there. Um, yeah. so frustrating, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, it certainly is for a lot of reasons. It's a it's such a powerful card, but it really feels like you're limiting the scope of Stadium play. Um, yeah, definitely. There was plenty of other decks, though, that were cool and did well. Um, Spirit Tomb is definitely making a resurgence lately with the addition of Escape Rope, and it's really cool to see like the amount of damage you can build up in these Spirit Tombs with Spike Muth and the Escape Rope so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was a deck that yeah kind of died out there when we lost... Uh, the escape board, and then now it's coming back. We have more switching options in the format, so it just makes a little bit more sense. Play it almost exactly like how you did uh, just now with those with those escape ropes. So very cool, yeah. Like you said, uh, making a resurgence. I don't know that it's necessarily the deck for me. I think it has a number of kind of iffy matchups, especially with things like Dragapult coming back into the format. But certainly a cool idea. We also saw a um, an ADP Zashin. I thought that this was the most unique. I know you're you're listening to the cast and you're like. ADP Zashin, the most unique list, uh, but for real, it had two ADP, two Zashin, and four, four Bronzong. And the idea here is you go second, you get a Bronzong down, turn one with the evolutionary ability on that Bronzor. You can evolve that Bronzong, turn one, get the energy on the board with the Metal Saucer, attach your Aurora energy, and all of a sudden you have a turn one going second, Altered Creation, which is very, very strong. Yeah, I mean, getting turn one altered going second is is incredibly strong. I, I think there are definitely tweaks I would make to that list, um, but the concept of it was super cool. And I think one of the things that's underrated about the Bronzong, I'm not saying necessarily that Bronzong is definitively the way to go. Uh, I think it still has to be determined. But one of the things I really like about it is um, after you altered, you can just immediately get the energy off the ADP if people have swung into it. Um, yep. So, you know, a lot of these decks, their strategy might be to hit into the ADP, you know, if they can't reach the 280, um, they'll try and hit into ADP right when it altered, and then, you know, if they attack, then they're guaranteed to take surprises. I mean, this kind of removes that as an option. 
Yeah, it makes it so much more versatile. I really would encourage all of our viewers to get some reps in with the deck because you'll be surprised at how much different it feels than normal ADP. I normally think of ADP as being generally a smooth deck, but you know we all kind of know how it can kind of clunk up with energies, especially in the mid and light game. If you just don't draw into your metal saucers and you have energies in places that you don't want them and they're kind of useless, um, or you have to discard too many energy and now you just don't have an attacker to build up. Um, and this list completely negates a lot of those weaknesses that ADP had. Now you're, you're trading in some of those extra spicy cards for just consistent bronze long lines. But I think in a lot of ways it improves the deck and makes it much more potent. I, I would be surprised if we don't see this deck pop up more in the future. Right from the mouth. Hi, ADP's on. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we had another deck uh, coming in at second place, which was the Rapid Strike Urshifu VMAX, playing it with Dragapult and Octillery, which I know we were just talking before the cast that we were saying in a lot of these Rapid Strike decks, people are going away from Octillery, maybe playing a more Jirachi team-up focused build. I personally love Octillery. I think it's not getting enough credit, um, but certainly I understand You know, people are playing it with Jirachi because that feels very similar to things that we've seen just, you know, a couple of years ago with that Zapdos Jirachi deck. So any thoughts there on um, either the list or just kind of rapid strike Dragapult in general? Yeah. So th this variant of Dragapult has kind of been floating around. I've, I've seen it in a couple tournaments. I've played against it online. Um, seems like a lot to set up. I don't really like how thin you have to make your various lines to accommodate all of these stage ones. Um, yep. That said... I, the Dragapult or Shifu deck is really kind of potent. It's it's a little tough to deal with just because it covers so many weaknesses. Um, the only problem that deck has is that when it's not hitting for weakness, its damage can be kind of low, right? Um, so if they're against a Mew or against a deck that will threaten one-hit KOs back on them, um, that's when you see that deck kind of struggle. Um, it's I also am not a huge fan of the Dragapult variant just because the energy counts get a little weird. Um, we talked about this last week as well, but, you know, finding the right balance between, like, Aurora's and Horrors and Fightings and Basic Psychics and <laughs> and all of that is just uh, a little bit messy, but um, I do conceptually like the idea of pairing Dragapult and Urshi, and I think if you're going to do that, despite the fact that it's just three stage ones, Auxiliary does have, like, a level of consistency um, that I feel like a variant like that kind of needs. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, overall, I was there's a lot of cool decks that are coming out. Uh, that said, though, there's plenty of mainstays that haven't faded away either. Um, before we get into those, I do want to quickly call out uh, Victini VMAX has really been popular lately. Um, wasn't as popular, I think, in the full grip online as some of these other tournaments. Um, but Victini VMAX is just everywhere, everywhere right now. It's all over the ladder. It's all over these tournaments. It's crazy. I kind of called it. Yeah, I mean... I'm just, just saying, just saying. I kind of did say that it was one of the better cards, and I did advocate it for it to be in our top ten. So, um, No, you're yeah. right. You're right. Um, you know, I think the one area of Vitini Struggles is the same one that I argued for as well, is, the, is against those GXs. Um, so yeah. you have to find those ways to deal with them effectively. Um, in current format, you have all sorts of great options, though. Um, the prevailing build of Victini is really that Mewtwo-based build, where you have the Mewtwo, 
um, the Reshizard, potentially the Family Zard that does the 300 for his GX attack. Um, and then using that 2-2 or 3-2, if Teeny VMAX line to deal with the V Pokemon. I just yeah. I think the strength is just it's so versatile and it uses Welder so well while also being able to leverage like other draw supporters. So it's not like a Tempo Zard where it needs to Welder every single turn or else it will lose guaranteed. Um, it's you know it's just Victini where you like you can attach attach and boss in the first two yeah. turns or you can Welder and like build up these really big threats. Well, that's the thing too. Is like this deck is great in the sense that you can get up very early in a game. And then yep. if you find yourself not hitting welders like welder decks tend to do run hot or cold, um, you know, you, you can go ahead and spread flames, you know, once, maybe twice. Again, you built up this big advantage early, right? By knocking out your opponent that had, you know, their, their V on the bench that had a, had an energy attached. Okay. If it's against Eternatus, right, you get yourself an extra turn. So that's when you can start to spread flames, build some things up on the bench. Like it just all works out very, very well right now in the format. And, um, yeah, I'm certainly happy to see Victini VMAX performing well. Yeah, and I think one of the strengths of Victini, honestly, I kind of conceptually put Victini VMAX in the same bucket as like ADP Zacian. Um, the difference is, you know, ADP Zacian is going to attach GX and then attack twice um, to try and win, whereas Victini will attach and then attack, attack, attack. So still taking about the same amount of turns um, in their ideal game state. But Victini, it attacks more times, whereas ADPZ attacks twice and takes more prizes. Um, sure. So, honestly, they're very similar, though, where they're trying to, like, boss up your vulnerable Pokemon and pick them off um, or just explode the active. So, sure. That said, I think it fills the niche very well. The one thing that's really frustrating with Victini is just those GXs. I mean... Even with all those options, like staring down a Picarom can be really frustrating for Victini. Um, staring down at the Dene GX can be surprisingly frustrating for a Victini VMAX. <laughs> you know, and like you see this, you yeah. see this in those online tournaments, you see it um, in the Champions League, you saw it all the time where people would just like leave a Dene up against Victini VMAX for a turn yeah. and they couldn't do anything to it, <laughs> which is just. I mean, well, they, could, they could swing in for 120, but yeah, I understand your point. Like, you're not one-shotting at Dedene, which is really sad. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that that kind of deck, like swinging for 120. What is? What are you gonna do with a Dedene with 120 yeah. on it? Like, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna boss it up later and KO it. Like, right. Exactly. Exactly. So it just feels goofy, um, but it does put a ton of pressure. The point I was ultimately getting at is it puts a ton of pressure on decks that are slower to set up. I think it's a really valuable trait to have in this format um and general and like generally in pokemon like punishing your opponent for inconsistent setup is just like such a yes. strategy yes i 100 percent agree and it's it's the kind of deck that it doesn't mind going first or second i don't think yep. either right like you go first you attach and then on your next turn you gust you go second you maybe have some more welder plays or you have some uh you know energy acceleration via victini v and so there's just not really any punishing there as well when you're talking about which position you go. So I think that makes it really nice for kind of a longer tournament where you're not focused on, okay, I need to go second because I need to get the flare starter off or I need to go second because I need to get a bolt on. Like you can go first or second and really have good results either way. Agreed, 100%. So lots of cool stuff with Victini VMAX. I 
I mean, I'm curious to see if there's like new directions that the deck can be taken or new ways that people can apply the card. But I mean, right now that Mewtwo version is on a rampage. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk about some of the other top performing decks. Uh, I have the Hexter season three, number 40 um, tournament up on my screen right now. And it's just a lot of, you know, surprisingly, a lot of the same. We're seeing a lot of Lucario Melmetal. Speaking of like fire decks, now we have kind of the polar opposite. Lucario Melmetal doing particularly well. Picaram is still surviving. I don't, I don't know, man. We keep pronouncing it dead. It keeps doing well. Certainly on the back of Mewtwo to counteract those uh, fighting type Urshifus. And then things like Dragapult, things like ADP, Eternatus is still around. I mean, this kind of feels like a lot of the same with maybe a little wrinkle. What do you think attributes to that sort of metagame that is a lot of the same with just a few new decks sprinkled in? Sure. Well, I think of these decks, honestly, Lucario Melmetal was the one that I think ended up being hurt the most by the new set, um, just because Victini VMAX really does a number on Lucario Melmetal. Honestly, it's yeah. really tough to deal with. Um, the thing is, though, that Lucario Melmetal has really good matchups across the board outside of Victini VMAX. So if you're able to dodge it, um, you know, you hit it one round and then you play other things the rest of the round, or like a lot of these online tournaments, you know, you can cut at X2 because um, they either sure. don't allow IDs or they cut to like top 16. Um, so you, so can you see win decks everything like else. Metal, and then... like, you know, they hit a round or two of fire and then they just beat everything else um, or like take good to good to even matchups against everything else. Um, and they just end up cutting and they continue doing well. So, I mean, I've played a lot of Lucario Melmetal like on the ladder recently as well. And honestly, once you're not in those fire matchups, it feels just so good. Yeah, sure, sure. And I mean, even when you do get in those fire matchups, like the Victini decks don't really have a lot of room to play Fan of Waves or their own Giratinas or things like that. So those coding medals can actually stick around. I mean, it's not unheard of for a Luke Metal deck to take down a Victini. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not like 100-0. It's super unfavored for sure. Um, but you can definitely get a coding medal to stick and you know, a good Zamazenta play and and end up pulling it through. So, I mean, Lucario Memo just has a lot of staying power. Um, Picarom and Eternatus, um, I think there's two factors there. I think first off, the fighting decks uh, maybe weren't as potent as we thought they were, both in strength and quantity. Um, so, you know, they're not super heavily played. And both of those decks kind of have ways around them. So, you know, you see the Eternatus decks playing the weakness guards, energies, um, which honestly, if you're playing one of those fighting decks, can be really frustrating. <laughs> you don't have like a fan of waves or a guillotine to remove that um sure you know it feels like uh Eternus kind of has the leg up on you and then uh Pigram obviously has the the Mewtwo which you alluded to earlier and I think Pigram also benefits a lot from not only just the Mewtwo but the fact that the stamp paralyzed strategy that they utilize in Pigram is always going to be effective no matter what matchup you're against um Rom is still to this day like the best user of reset stamp. Um, it has the most play options available to it. So, in a way, yep. I mean, we we thought Pikaram would maybe struggle, but um, I think you know, leaning more into the Mewtwo, um, finding new ways to navigate the matchups, and then leveraging your reset stamps, like you can, you can get through so many situations that way. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing that has been interesting um, about Pikaram is that I haven't been seeing a lot of people play Fan in their Pikaram list, which I I feel like is a mistake. I haven't played Pikaram in this new format too much, um, but 
I do still see a lot of Team Yelgrunt. And I kind of wonder, okay, why would you play Team Yelgrunt when you could play, you know, a guaranteed card that's a that's an item? Um, you know, obviously there's, you know, counterplay, right, where Yelgrunt does work on basic energies and Fan of Waves doesn't. But um, I just feel like that's an obvious kind of I think the energies that Pikram is most concerned about removing aren't the specials. Um, so, you know, you're most concerned about the darkness energies on the Eternatus. You're most concerned about the sure. water energies or the or the metal off the ADP. Um, now, granted, if the ADP plays Aurora, like Fanaway is working on that. Um, but in my mind, like the, the matchups where the Yelgrunt matters the most, the Fanaways won't help you. Um, and there's also the fact that um, Eldegoss Yelgrunt is like such a potent play as well. Um, you know, you yeah, can see for a couple turns. For sure. I, I would just say, you know, Eternatus is kind of on the decline. It had this really, you know, large explosion towards the end of the last format, I would say. And now it's, you know, kind of receding. Still there, still popular, but I just don't really think that you need to tech for that. And the fire decks, I mean, you know, you're you're going to win via some combination of, you know, the, the, the hammers don't really matter anyway to those kinds of decks, or at least they're not that significant. So, I don't know. Just something I've been thinking about. If I played Picaram in this format, I would definitely look to include at least one fan of waves in that Team Yell Grunt slot. Yeah, I mean, I guess I wouldn't really consider it a, a suitable substitute for, like, the role that Yell Grunt fills. If I did that, it would be more so because, like, I just wanted extra removal, like, in addition to Yell Grunt, or, like, I play a one Yell Grunt, a one fan. Um, sure. Or I just don't see, like, the need for Yelgrunt in the meta, but I want to have, like, a little extra kick, so I play Fan of Waves. I, I think a lot of people are playing Special Energies. I mean, I'm trying to think of a deck that doesn't outside of, like, a Victini deck, but eh, maybe it isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, it could definitely hurt your your Lucario's, but I don't think that many of the ADPs are on, like, Aurora Bronzong yet, so um, I think ADP is going to be the deck that you really want to Yelgrunt back. For sure. Um, any other things that you're seeing from the Hegster or just the tournaments in general that you want to point out? No, I mean, honestly, Battle Styles has kind of freshened up the format in the in exactly the kind of way I would have wanted it to, where the decks that came out of it aren't just steamrolling everything, but they're powerful and they've like they're suitable and they're tournament contenders. Um, and yep. they're really fun as well. So you know, I, I like to see, like, the previous decks continue to survive while also being in an ecosystem where new decks are introduced into the fray. I think that's, like, the best way that a set can go. Um, yeah, I think we're going to look back at this set and be very, very impressed with the set designers that just were able to make something that's new and fresh and, and good. You know, certainly Rapid Strike and, and honestly, Single Strike making a case for being, um, you know, a, a viable deck. But... Um, I think we're going to look back on this format right now and say, yeah, this was a very, very healthy metagame. A lot of different options that people can go, a lot of different metagame choices that people can make, a lot of different techs that people can play. Um, we're seeing a lot of Muse. We're seeing um, just a lot of um, you know unusual attackers, I think, in some of these decks. So it, it's really cool to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, do you have any other thoughts on this meta before we close out this topic? Well, I, I'm really surprised at how much Mewtwo um, is being played, actually. Uh, that deck just didn't see a lot of play with Eternatus on uh, on the rise again in the last format. So it's really interesting to see Welder Mewtwo just come roaring back. It was one of the most played decks uh, in the uh, in the in that last Hegster tournament. So 
pretty impressive to see me too being able to contend with some of these just outrageous v maxes <laughs> absolutely i mean after i had such a rough time versus the turn it's it's really cool to see him come back yep yep awesome so let's shift gears then and, and talk about the card of the day for today so for today's card of the day um background story as i always do for my card of the day um so the other day i had a friend over and um they live in the same apartment as me and we were watching some shows and i wanted to show them uh my binder of routlet because i collect the routlet card um every single print of routlet i have and the prized routlet right now um is the shiny no, I although I did pull the shiny from a pack, which was very cool. Okay. Um, both copies of my shiny rallets are from packs, which is really a cool. Um, yeah. The the prized rallet, in my opinion, is the Scream Art Rallet. Um, so there was a collection of cards in Japan, Rallet being one of them, that were uh, based on kind of different artworks. Um, and the Rallet one is based off the Scream. So Rallet's all twisted up. He's got the face on. Uh, it's just such a cool card. It's nice, like, full art. Um, and it's it's just awesome. I mean, these are the kind of promos that you wish we would get in the States. <laughs> um, sure. But that Rallet is just so fun. I mean, it it takes up, like, it just draws attention to it. Like, when you flip through the Rallet binder, like, that's the one that you want to look at. Um, sure. And it's just so cool. Like I, I love those kind of like artistic promos that that Japan gets. Um, honestly, if it was like more reasonably priced, I mean they're not super expensive in the at the end of the day. But like you know, if I could like go down to the store and get something that would contain one of those or get a promo from some event, like I would definitely do that. Um, they're just so awesome. So part of the day today is the Scream Rallet. Um, there's plenty of other great rallets. I think my second favorite one would be the the one in the backpack. You know what I want to talk about? Um, yep, I do. Yeah, the backpack rallet. Um, shout out to Sean Lydon for helping me get that one. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, rallet's just an awesome card. Awesome. Green rallet's really cool. Um, and you should check it out. If this is your first time hearing about it, you should just look at that whole collection of cards. They're really awesome. Yeah, great card of the day. <laughs> but shifting gears again to our closing half of the day, uh, we got to talk about. What's been going on in the tournament scene here? Uh, we're not talking about no. results. So um, the other day, a, a scandal came up where someone was allegedly caught stream sniping. That person ended up being, uh, I don't know if they were disqualified or just got a double game on. They ended up uh, being out of the tournament after the evidence was presented. Um, and this caused a lot of discourse about you know, what is appropriate with regards to enforcing of rules when it comes to stream sniping? Who does the onus of responsibility fall onto to prevent stream sniping? Um, and honestly, JW and I were starting to talk about this. And we kind of just stopped ourselves because we wanted to um, kind of talk this through live. So, JW, I just kind of want to open up to start with, like, what are your thoughts on the situation? You know, where do you think we need to, like, look to improve or, or change our procedures to make sure things are flowing smoothly? Yeah. You know, give me like your general spiel here. Absolutely. I think that it is any time that we catch somebody cheating. And again, I wasn't, I, I didn't have firsthand account knowledge of this uh, happen, uh, happenstance. Wow. Words tonight. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think that, you know, anytime that we see cheating, 
it has to be punished. I think that anyone would say that in a competitive environment, whenever someone is gaining, you know, uh, un, unusual, un, un, you know, intended advancement of, of the game like that in, in a way that, that could be deemed cheating, which I would imagine that, you know, being able to look at your opponent's hand would constitute that. So if someone is doing that intentionally, um, that, you know, should be, should be punished. So, um, the question becomes, how do we deal with it going forward? Is it something where, how, like, how can you prove that somebody's cheating? I think that's one of the silliest things is like to be caught cheating in an online environment means that you have to make yourself publicly known that you're in the stream of the streamer. And so it just seems like the, the silliest thing for a person to ever get caught cheating. You know what I mean? Right, like go incognito mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like go incognito mode, make a separate account. I'm not saying, I'm not advocating for cheating. Again, just like, don't hear me wrong. No, I know what you mean. Like, I know what you mean. You it's know. like, how do you catch someone doing this, you know, yeah. if, if they're like doing it reasonably? Um, yeah. You know, not posting in chat, like not using their username. I mean, even if they have their own username, like if you don't know about it and don't check the viewer list, I mean, most people I don't think have their viewer list open all the time. Uh, right. You know, how do you even catch that? Um, and I think that's a valid point. I mean, even within that, like, just because they're in your viewer list, does that mean they're actively looking at your game? Um, are they listening to the commentary? Does that count? Um, are they just looking at the chat? Does that count? Um, right. Right. Are, did they make, I mean, and the other thing too is like, did they make kind of a suboptimal play that maybe was optimal in that situation? I, I could think of one where it'd be like, did they play a reset stamp on turn one? Um, and did they do it because they knew what was in your hand or did they do it because... They just wanted to play that card for some other reason, or they just didn't think about it, or I mean, maybe a misclick or something like that. But you know, how do you how do you police that? Right. So, and I I largely agree with that. Like, I think conceptually, you know, if you're caught stream sniping, you should be punished for that. Like, that is, you know, by the books cheating. Like, you're looking at your opponent's hand. I'm pretty sure in the Players Cup rules and regulations, it even mentioned something about stream sniping. Um, so the precedent is there. It's definitely against the spirit of the game, at the very least. Um, but how do you catch someone doing that? And the, I don't really have a good answer for that. Like, I think even if you provide all the best evidence you can, at the end of the day, it's still like kind of anecdotal. Um, kind of like a he said, she said thing. Um, and without like having almost like a screen share for every player of a tournament being monitored by a judge, it's like yeah. you can't do that. Um, yeah, you can't like manage that. Um, yeah, and it brings up like larger questions too, um, which I don't want to get into all of these today. But you know, the online environment kind of like opens itself up to some of these like almost like unaccounted for, I guess, like cheating methods. Um, you know, all the time we have people like in calls online, like um, you know, with their friends, like talking through all their plays. Like, does that count as cheating? Um, not necessarily by the rules of the tournaments, but like, would you ever do that in real life? Like, obviously not. Um. Well, and that's, I think, I think too, I mean, that brings up a point too about the people that stream, right? And saying, okay, well, if I watch chat, is that getting an advantage because I'm getting more input, more ways right. to look or like, at what if you're situation. What if you're playing as another streamer and your chat goes into that stream and tells you things? Like, it's so difficult to like pinpoint this and like really draw yep. the line. Um, I think at the end of the day, like, Stream sniping is an active action. Like you're taking a specific choice to gain knowledge that you shouldn't have otherwise. Um, so 
in of itself, I think stream sniping is obviously cheating and should be punished. It's just how do you ever monitor that is just so yeah. difficult. It's um, super tough. So then the, the conversation that's kind of spewed off of that is, you know, where does responsibility lie? Does it, does it lie with tournament organizers to try and prevent it? Or does it lie on the streamer to kind of guard themselves from that harm? Um, you know, do they put a hand cover? Do they, um, they have a delay? Um, so what are your thoughts it's, on that, JW? Well, it's really tough as a streamer, right? Where your content should be the most important thing. So when you're telling me that I should have to change the content, like I, as a streamer, am trying to grow the game by streaming the game, right? Either consciously or unconsciously, like I am promoting the game. Uh, and so if you want people to grow the game, then, you know, obviously the way that you do that is to play with, you know, as openly as possible, no delay and no covering of any kind. But like you said, that gets into some tricky situations where it's like you could sacrifice the content that you're producing in order to save yourself from being stream sniped, or you could open yourself up to the possibility of being stream sniped and have arguably worse content. So it's, it's really tough as a content creator. And I really feel for someone like someone like Azul or Andrew, or I mean, really any content creator for that matter, but just like, especially the people that make their living off of playing mm. online where their content is the most important thing. Uh, you, you just really are kind of handcuffed in what you can do. Agreed. I mean, my take on it is, is pretty similar. I think, you know, you can't, Tell the content creator like I I don't know how exactly to phrase this, but you can't expect the content creators, I guess, to shift the way they're producing content just to avoid sniping. Um so I think it comes down to, you know, what do you value more individually? Do you value your I guess sanctity of your tournament run um and protecting that? In which case I would almost say like just don't even stream it at all. Um if right. that's like the most important thing. Um, because even with a delay, like there's information that can be gleaned. You can learn about prize cards. You can learn about um, even the hand. I mean, the hand can stay the same or like just build up for a couple minutes at a time. Um, so like a delay doesn't fix the problem outright. Um, a hand cam yeah. does kind of fix things, but I would also say like to the viewer, a hand cam is really frustrating, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. like visually is unpleasing. It's, you know, it kind of takes away from the experience because like, I mean, TCGO isn't like that exciting of a game. Like, if I can't see your hand, what am I even watching for? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, So, I I don't know. It's kind of weird. I I will shift the conversation once again. Um, Is there anything that could be implemented in the game? Now, I'm not that particularly well versed in any of of the other card games or or any other strategy games like uh, online that would have any sort of uh, anti cheating measures. But is there something that Pokemon, the guys at Dire Wolf, could do? to prevent or at least help prevent any sort of cheating while still allowing streamers and other content creators to produce that content on a real-time basis? I don't really think so. I mean, in these other card games, like Hearthstone, obviously a huge online environment. They mostly use like combinations of delays and hand covers. Um, and I think if Blizzard doesn't have the framework, then I don't, I don't see Direwolf having it either. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's not even just a slam on direwolf devs i just think it's like a huge ask yeah um, yeah and probably an intrusive one as well like they would need to have more access than maybe them too 
Um, right. So, I mean, no. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's kind of what I was hearkening at, which is um, you have to make that choice. Like, is your tournament run the thing that matters more to you or your content? Um, I think for a lot of these streamers, the answer is the content, at least for some of these, like, smaller events um, where, you know, like, for a Hegster, for PAX, like, maybe they don't care necessarily if they get sniped. Um, and it's more important to just, like, enjoy the experience with your viewers. Um, you know, if you're in the Players' Cup Finals, like, maybe you don't stream that <laughs> uh, because five grand is on the line. Um, yeah. And that's more important at the time. Uh, I think those are just, like, maybe you just, like, record it for later in, like, VOD review or something. Um, I think it comes down to the individual event, but I don't think as well... Um, a lot of the discourses seem to to focus too much on like where does the responsibility lie and like obviously the streamers are making choices that make them vulnerable um, but that's just it's such a bad mentality i think to blame the streamer for being sniped um <clears throat> right like obviously yeah. they didn't make their stream the most secure way possible um but i don't think it's analogous to like leaving your house unlocked or I mean, I think that analogy is almost more comparable to like you know going out in like skimpy clothing, right? Like, yeah, like, it's. I mean, it's absolutely victim blaming to say yes to the streamer. Like, you should have blocked your hand. Like, that is victim blaming. At the same time, you're you are you know. I think you can have these simultaneous truths, right? Where you have yes, yeah. definitely victim blaming to blame the streamer. So like the 100 percent of the onus is on the person that is doing the stream sniping, and yes, they should be uh, punished if they are ever caught. At the same time. You know, you are opening yourself up. Like, there's just, you know, I think you can have those simultaneous truths at the same time. So. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, and you are right. Like, it is, it's both victim blaming, but there's also more things that you can do. Um, I mean, that said, it's just like, and this kind of goes back to the point I was making earlier, where like, there's just new methods of doing things in the online landscape that you couldn't do before. Um, at the end of the day, these tournaments just aren't the same, right? Like. You know, you can do all the things in the world and your opponent could still be doing sketchy things <laughs> uh, regardless right. of if they can see your hand or not. And those things could just never be caught just by nature yep. of how these online tournaments work. Um, it's just I will also say, I, I will also say that the prizes for these online tournaments are not worth stream sniping for. I also just want to say that. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, they're not worth your dignity. Yeah, honestly... You know, if you're out there and you're like, hey, I, I can I can, you know, I can go on, on Twitch and I can get a free win here. It's like, bro, like the win that you got is like five extra packs. Like, right. what, are you, what are you doing? There's really no benefits uh, or, or very minimal benefits to doing so anyway. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, the, the lesson for the viewers here is, you know, hold yourself to the right standard and hold your friends as well. Um, you know, it's super common these days for, like, people to be in chats and discords kind of, like, talking about their games. Um, yeah. And that's one thing, like, not necessarily against the rules to do that in these online tournaments. But I would say as well, like, if you hear about your friends, like, doing these kinds of things, even in these discords, like, tell them to lay off. Like, <laughs> you know, we should create the culture of of doing the right thing, right? Like, just... I mean, even taking this to like a real life example, just because you didn't get caught palming a card doesn't mean that it wasn't cheating and that it wasn't the wrong thing to do. Um, like, take your wins and losses with dignity, play the game to the best that you can with the cards that you're dealt um, and the information that you have available to you um, and make 
the best of that. I almost think of this makes me kind of think, and I've thought about this ever since it happened the other day. It reminds me of that one tournament. I don't know if you were there, um, where there was like a glass ceiling that was reflective. I think it was Toronto yeah. one year. Um, it's like, yeah, your opponent could look up and see your cards probably. <laughs> Uh, but nobody did because a yeah. it's obvious if you're doing that but b yeah. like that's just horrible that's awful and like yeah. you don't do that so yeah. <laughs> wow i don't think that we need to tell any of our listeners that right i don't think wrong. our listeners are the problem i think and i don't think necessarily their friend groups are the problems but i think it's about creating the culture um of like being honest players who are doing their best and calling those things out when you see them um, whether they're in your friend groups or like maybe larger acquaintances, like don't be afraid to make sure that we're also like working to enforce and build up that culture of, of being honest and true to the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great place to leave that conversation. Yeah. So well said. perfect segue coming up here. If you're looking for ways to flex that honesty and enjoy the Pokemon game further, uh, the next Full Grip Online series is in two weeks here on Tuesday. So be sure to check that out and bring all your Battle Styles action there. Uh, and if you're looking to refill on codes to get ready for that, to, you're, this, this is so good, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're looking to refill on codes to get to that tournament, um, make sure you go to fullgripcodes.com and check them out. They'll have all your code needs there. A uh, true salesman. <laughs> they better give me the big bucks for that one. That's right. That's right. <laughs> JW, any closing thoughts as we wrap up today? Well, I I think that uh, Pokemon trading card game is fun. I'm surprised that this screen peeking scandal is coming out as late as it did. I mean, think about it. We've had over I a year of, of online tournaments. So I'm surprised that this wasn't a thing um, earlier. I mean, certainly it was maybe going on and now it's just somebody getting caught. But even at the same time, I, I think that it's surprising that it's gone this long before somebody got caught. So um, I, I think you hear this and you might think, oh, yeah, you know, the community is very negative And like there's all this thing, these things happening, a lot of rampant cheating. But I definitely don't think that's the case. I think on the whole, people are very much um, not in it for for the prizing and not really, you know, here to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, people aren't entering these tournaments every day because they like the packs. They, yeah. They're entering them because they're fun yeah. and they enjoy the game and they want to yeah. do their best. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think we're still fine. I love the game. I love the community. And uh, thank you guys for making it what it is. And I love where it's headed, too. I'm really liking the new cards. Um, I agree. So be sure to rate and review on your favorite podcasting platforms. It really helps boost us up in those all-too-precious algorithms be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Smiles of Riles, Real John Walter, and Tag Team Pokemon uh, for myself, JW, and the cast. And we will catch you at the same place, same time next week. Peace. See ya.